This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 261 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Blazing a new trail. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsor this week is Equisket. Welcome to the Stable Scoop. With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the stable, it's every week They'll bring you the news through hail or high water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable School Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. I'm Glenn the Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. It's always one of my most exciting Stable Scoops that we get to do is when we're introducing new hosts for a new show on the network. And these are very special new hosts for a very special new show. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a minute or two. We also have another guest coming up. Claudia Pfeiffer uh, is brought to us by Elite Equestrian Magazine, and she is uh, she works as a curator at the uh, at the National Sporting Library and Museum in Middleburg, Virginia. And she's going to come up and talk to us about the library and their Munnings exhibit, which you knew something about. So uh, I did, but not nearly as much as Claudia. She is, as we say here in New England, wicked smart, <laughs> wicked smart. Yeah, people like that intimidate me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't either. So we're we're going to do that. Plus, I have a product review for you. A little something a little different that involves human health this time. Something that I've been trying out and using that I want to recommend to everybody. So we're going to have all of that coming up on today's show. And I have to tell you, you came, you and Jennifer both together last week came up with the name for my new pony, uh, PT Scooter. Oh my gosh, that was fun! And PT Scooter is a big hit. Everybody loves the name. You did they, well. Yeah, I should hope so. It's kind of my job. <laughs> you did good. It's very good, and and I'm I'm so happy you guys came up with that. So so I've been calling him Scoot or Scooter. Uh, Yay! <laughs> Scoot's a good little short nickname. Yep, Scoot. And you know it works. And it, it's a double. You know, it's kind of a pun, or or you know, what's that word? Uh, a cinnamon or. Cinnamon? It's a cinnamon. <laughs> Let's just go with cin- cinnamon. Yeah, it's a cinnamon. <laughs> a clove and, uh, and you know, so when you go out in the field and he's in your way, you go scoot, and it means two things. You right. know? So, double entendre. Thank you. Right? Thank Isn't you. that what that is? Uh, the double entendre. Uh, um, whatever. <laughs> okay. It's a cinnamon. <laughs> uh, it's a cinnamon. It's a nutmeg. Um, <laughs> wait, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shows See, the best thing- I know. The be- <laughs> we're surprised by what? <laughs> The best thing about his name, though, is that like if he does something really naughty, like you can like when you're happy with him, you can call him Scoot. And when you're serious and training him, it's Scooter. But when you're really mad at him, like when you get mad at your kids, you can say, P.T. Scooter, get back here. That's true. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Or when you're really, really mad, you could do poor thing, Scooter. (laughs) You can go full out with his given Christian name. Poor thing, Scooter. 
Well, so far he's been pretty good. And, you know, I'm not the only one that has a new pony uh, because uh, one of the guests we have on a little bit later, one of the new co-hosts of the new show, just got one two days ago. So we're going to talk to her about that, too. Yeah, she got a baby. Yep. But first, let's go. Uh, thanks to Elite Equestrian Magazine, who we work with once a month to provide a guest for our show and to talk about an article that has been in their, in a recent magazine of theirs, and you can find it at EliteEquestrian.us. Uh, in their most recent episode, there was an article about the Munnings exhibit at the, uh, at the National Sporting Library and Museum. And you were just in Middleburg. Did you get to go there, Middleburg? Virginia? I did not get to go there. We went to uh, Morven Park, and we got to go to the Museum of Hounds and Hunting. Um, but we had not been to the National Sporting Library, which after talking with Claudia, I am going to put that on my list of places to go next. It, it it definitely sounds like a place where you can go and stick around for a while. Yeah, and get lost in it. So let's talk to Claudia about the museum. Well, welcome, Claudia, to the Stable Scoop radio show. I, for one, am happy to have an expert on because there's a lot of, a lot of stuff out there, particularly artwork, that is beautiful. And I would love to know the history or origins of. So you're, this is your gig, isn't it? First of all, thank you for... Uh letting us have this opportunity and I am actually in a very interesting um, spot here at the National Sporting Library Museum. I've been studying um, animal sporting art for quite some time, over 15 years, um, but I haven't been on a horse since I was about nine years old. So I know a lot about the artwork, but not as much about actually being on a horse. We got to fix that. Jeez. (laughs) I I got so wrapped up in doing my job, I just ended up not getting back into it. There's no so, horses in Middleburg either, is there? <laughs> no. Yeah, seriously, it's very difficult to find horses. <laughs> no opportunities there. Tell us about the National Sporting Library and Museum. What is it? What, what is, um, what is it? It was originally founded as a library in 1954, um, and specifically a repository for sporting books, um, started by um, George Orstrom Sr. and Alexander McKay Smith. Um, Orstrom Sr. owned the, the Chronicle of the Horse. I'm sure you're familiar with yeah. that magazine. And McKay Smith was the editor there. And uh, they, along with um, Fletcher Harper, who was the master of the Orange County Hunt, were the first um, ones to establish the library and start um, this collection of books, which has expanded actually to uh, 24,000 titles of books, manuscripts, and public. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, So the library itself is uh, one of the top research facilities for um, turf and field sports in the world. Um, We have a a fellowship that's been running for several years now and have had over 40 scholars here um, taking advantage of our facility, and uh, they're given a stipend and a place to stay, um, and they're allowed to apply um, once a year with topics. So that's something for consider listeners to look into. Um, as far as the museum is concerned, though, that's pretty new. Uh, the museum opened in October of 2011. Um, the idea for the museum started a long time before that, though. It's probably um, in the uh, really building this collection uh, of artwork that related to the books in our collection moved the facility towards the idea of establishing a museum to focus on the fine art as well. And that um, opened in a historic building called Vine Hill, which is here on the the library campus. It was expanded. It's about three times as big as the original Federal House. And um, we have loan exhibition and permanent collection exhibits in this space. My it's, wife it's, would it's, get lost in there and never come out. I'd never see her again. I'd have to give her a tent 
and uh, some food, and she would she loves old old books about sporting and stuff. So she would and just, any uh, any place that has a person available whose brain you could pick about it. You know, there's what you find in the museum, and then there's the resources behind that item of interest, which is what really makes the National Sporting Library and Museum so interesting to people like Jen and me. Yeah, the library is open to the public. I mean, we obviously have very um, focused uh, um, books, but they're out on the shelves for everyone to come and take advantage of. We have beautiful reading rooms, and there are little niches with couches, and um, it's really inviting for people to spend the day and um, pick through our, our holdings. We also have a, a rare books room that can be uh, scheduled for a tour with our librarian, Lisa Campbell, and we have uh, books that range back into the 16th century, so some Ooh. of the oldest titles yeah. on the topic, too. So you have um, a, a permanent art collection, and part of that collection is what we were going to talk to you about today, and um, that's works from an artist uh, by the name of Alfred Munnings. Is that right? Alfred Munnings, um, uh, the exhibition that we have right now is actually primarily com- comprised of loans. We do have one of our paintings from our permanent collection in that exhibit, um, so we have a permanent collection displays in the historic part of our museum called Vine Hill. And then we have, um, it's expanded in their two uh, large um, galleries that we use for loan exhibitions. And we organized an exhibition called Munnings Out in the Open, which features uh, 68 paintings by Alfred Munnings, who is a very well-known 20th century equestrian artist, um, British and uh, we have uh, institutional loans and private loans in this exhibition, um, including seven paintings from the Alfred Munnings Museum, Sir Alfred Munnings Museum, which is in Dedham, England, and that was Munnings' house and studio for much of his life. Uh, we also have loans from the Philadelphia Art Museum, the National Museum of Racing, uh, seven loans from the Yale Center for British Arts, uh, a very important painting from Pebble Hill Plantation in Thomasville, Georgia, and so there, it's a really wide variety of paintings that people are very familiar with from Munning's background, and then also um, several private collection loans that haven't actually been out in view. Now, he has done a ton of paintings, and he was, uh, to give people a time perspective, he was born in 1878 and lived till 1959. And he, he was actually uh, knighted at some point, he's Sir Alfred uh, Munnings. But uh, he, he, he did a a lot of different uh, things, as you said, that involved horses and things, but also military. I, I know that he did a couple of uh, of charges and things like that. Do you have any of the—were they all military? Tell us a little bit about his work. He did a really, as you said, he did a very wide variety of um, painting. Equestrian um, is obviously what he's known most for, but he also did portraits and a, a wide range of landscapes. Um, he thought of himself as um, following the English landscape tradition. Um, artists like Constable was really one that he he uh, um, really held at a high standard that he was trying to follow. Um, but he was a sporting artist in what he did. He um, fox hunting scenes, um, scenes of the countryside in England. Um, he steeplechasing and racing. He followed steeplechasing and racing from his first race that he attended in 1899. And one of his last paintings was uh, called The Runaway and was a horse racing scene in um, 1957. Um, he also did portraits of his wife. 
um, and scenes of gypsies. Um, the gypsies in England were following the racing scenes, and so he, the racing scene, and so he was introduced to gypsies fairly early in his his um, painting career, and um, found them a lot of I think very interesting just from their visual aspect. Um, and yeah, color, very colorful. Yeah. Yes. Um, And also, um, really beautiful pastoral scenes of cattle at water and um, pigs and um, barnyards and really a a, a gamut of the um, animal and sporting life in England, really. Um, And he also, at the height of his uh, outdoor activity when he was um, sort of in the early 1910s, he actually went so far as to buy Gypsy Caravan, and he hired a a gypsy um, by the name of Shrimp, nicknamed Shrimp, to accompany him on these excursions where they would actually have a band of ponies that they would take out into the Ringland Hills and they'd be out for uh, literally the entire summer painting out in the open and creating scenes for Munnings to paint there in (laughs) in sand pits and all all across the countryside. Wow. And there's one thing I've learned, uh, Helena, watching uh, Antiques Roadshow, is when a curator says the word important, it means expensive. And <laughs> I've learned that. And then you count the number of importance in, in their little segment, and you can just see the price tag going up. And, <laughs> and I'm looking here, one of his highest prices paid for a Munnings was uh, $7.8 million in 2007, and then there's been 4 and $5 million paid. So, so important's a good word, then, in this case. He definitely is a highly collectible artist in, the, in that regard, and um, important in the sense in the 20th century for sporting art because he really he brought sporting art to a more general audience um, in the modern art movement. Uh, so that was a it really a transition for sporting art into the 20th century. And you'd mentioned that he was knighted at one point. He was also, um, the, the knighting happened as a result of him being made president of the Royal Academy, which was a really big deal. He was the first sporting artist in 250 years to attain that status. And um, he was a really anti-modern art, but he also had very strong leanings in that regard. He liked to um, use very impressionistic techniques that we see. And um, so he was, he was in a really interesting time period, sort of in the, the art historical context as well, and was quite a character in the, um, in the art movements of the time. Now, it, where did he get his subject matter from? I mean, obviously, there's just there's no shortage of inspirational imagery in the fox hunting world, in the sporting world. Um, where was he most inclined to to be inspired? On he uh, he was a he was a countryman from the beginning. He grew up in a rural area of East Anglia. He uh, um, in a working mill. His father um, owned a mill, and so he looked to the things that were in his backyard. So his earliest paintings were of the um, the villagers there and um, the countryside scenes. And then he started um, following the Norwich Staghounds um, uh, fairly early on and uh, was exposed to that stag hunt and started painting um, from that idea and then started fox hunting. His experiences with fox hunting lent him material. Really what he saw as he sort of traveled through his life, and um, he also, as I mentioned, spent a lot of time uh, through his life at races and steeplechases and looked to that for fodder for, for paintings. Um, his landscapes really were, some of them were literally in his backyard. He would look to locations right where he was and be inspired by what he saw. And he painted his wives. He had two wives in his life, his first wife, Florence, that he met in La Morna, 
And then uh, his second, she passed away. She killed herself, actually, after two and a half years. Um, and then his second wife, which is the one that most people recognize in his paintings beginning in 1920 through the time that he died, her name was Violet. And she was an avid fox hunter, and she also um, competed, and she was a um, really cut quite a figure on, on a horseback, and she rode both aside and astride. Um, she was a really avid fox hunter, and had an impressive stable of um, hunters that she brought to their marriage. And he also kept horses, and he looked to his own horses as models for a lot of the paintings that he did, including racing scenes. Mm. Wow. I, I, I am now inspired to take a trip down and come visit the museum and maybe have a private chat with you. The, um, the, uh, the museum is, is where is it located? When are folks able to come and visit and where can we find some more information? Well, we're in Middleburg, so we're about um, 50 miles west of Washington, D.C. Uh, we are in the rural area, so you kind of get out of the city and um, get to see the, the countryside. We're in the heart of hunt country here so, um, and heart of horse country. Uh, and the museum is open Wednesday through Sunday. Um, Wednesday through Saturday is 10 to 4. Sunday is noon to 4. The library does have different hours. The library is open Tuesday through Saturday, uh, 10 to 4, and then, uh, excuse me, through Friday 10 to 4 and Saturday 1 to 4 and they're closed on Sundays. They also have a Munnings exhibition that's running a couple more weeks that relates to material um, in our library and our book holdings about Munnings. We have a first edition of his autobiography that he drew sketches in and there's some great correspondence uh, that he wrote and different uh, paintings and prints that relate to the exhibition as well. Excellent. And what's the website? Website is www.nsl.org. That's for National Sporting Library for short, www.nsl.org. Great. And we'll post links to that up on stablescoop.com. Well, Claudia, we can't thank you enough for coming on and introducing our audience to uh, your organization and to Munnings. And, I mean, I just learned a boatload. So, um, Glenn, what do you think? We have a trip back to Middleburg on our list of things to do. You know what this makes me really want is the next season of Downton Abbey. It's really what <laughs> makes me want. Well, the drama about dying his wife here. killing herself. And, I know. I'm dying know, here. Just what I thought of is Downton Abbey, and that was the same time you lived through that. Yeah. I know. Ugh. Thank you very much, Claudia. Well, thank you very much. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships, and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to Equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com.
Well, I'm so excited. You know, I get excited like this. I realize every time we introduce a new show to the network, but this is kind of a special show. It's something that we haven't done before, and there's a couple special people that are are taking care of it and co-hosting it. It's our first kids radio show. Yeah, we really wanted to um, bring the kids market into the horse radio network, and we wanted to do it in a very um, particular way. We really wanted to wanted it to be special. We wanted it to be well thought out, and bing bang boom, we, we needed, found we needed a partner <laughs> that really knew the kids market. You know, really knew the kids market. Yeah, yeah. you know and, about and, kids because, you, but I've I've never had kids, so you know I'm kind of lost on that topic. You're uh, you're just a, an inner kid. You, yes, this, I just you, never grew you up. Get it <laughs> right? You're a 12 year old in a <clears throat> year old's body. Yeah, but you know, um, so we found Jeff and Jessica, who you know both know just a little bit something about kids. And you know, I'm really excited because Grace is going to get a chance to listen to this. She really now has a chance to connect with the Horse Radio Network. She's That's a, a whole other generation of horse loving people out there. And she's about the age demographic. This show is designed for the eight to 14 year olds. Yep. Wouldn't you say that you would listen to the first episode? Wouldn't you say that fits eight to fourteen, probably? Uh, absolutely. And adults. I mean, a lot of adults are listening and enjoying it too because it is so it's so fun and different um, than anything we've done before. It is. It's easy to listen to, you know. So the content is um, for me when I listen to the Horse Radio Network shows, I just download everything. You know, my I just sync up my iPod. So when I'm mucking stalls, I listen to everything. And when one show ends, the next one fires right up. So this is one of those nice, easy listening shows for adults because it's got fun facts and great little stories. So, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to go beyond the uh, the age demographic. I think it'll bring everybody in. Terrific. This is Jeff. He is the publisher of Blaze magazine for horse crazy kids and now a co-host of Blaze Kids Radio and also Jessica, who is his 12 year old co-host. And she has a surprise where we're so excited to have the newest hosts on the Horse Radio Network with us today. It's become a habit here on the Stable Scoop Show to introduce you to the newest hosts of all the shows that come on the network. And today we have with us Jeff and Jessica of the Blaze Kids Radio Show. Good morning, guys. Hi. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. Well, now, Jeff, you're not a kid, so let's start with you, and then we'll get over to Jessica. But you do have a lot to do with kids, and that is in the form of Blaze Magazine for Horse Crazy Kids, and it's been around for a long time. Well, it has, yes. And I, I have um, surrounded myself with, with young people to help me with that publication, both from you know, coaching us on what kind of stories are of most interest to, to our readership, what kind of photos should go in, helping us kind of vet the, the contests. And, and all the great um, uh, stories and poems and pictures and artwork that comes in in from kids. So, um, yeah, it, it's thrilling, and it's, it's really exciting to be part of the Horse Radio Network now as an extension of Blaze Magazine. Well, I want to welcome you to the network. Helene and I both do. Uh, we, you know, I've always had in the back of my mind that it would be fun to have a kids' show sometime, and you've brought that to life, and, and it is fun. Helena got to listen to it, and, and I got as a producer to do some things we don't get to do on the adult shows, which is put in uh, sound effects and uh, all the corny little things I've wanted to do in a show. You've given me the opportunity to play with, so thank you for that. <laughs> yes, well, it's you're the perfect welcome. excuse to bring out your inner goofball. I've had all these child. sound effects sitting around of horses winning 
and trotting and galloping, and I haven't been able to use them. So this is well great. with the with the with the permission of our kids committee, um, you could send in an application, Glenn, to, okay. to perhaps join join that group, and uh, you know keep keep working that inner child. Well, my wife, who I've been married to for twenty five years, says I never grew up, so I probably would fit <laughs> right in there. You would. You could be on the kids committee. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about that. Um, what really you, you we have the show, and and Jeff, you have plenty of experience um, appealing to a younger audience. How do you, um, I mean, sometimes there are those of us who grow up and we lose touch with what's important to the next generation. Uh, how do you stay in touch and how do you keep what's important to them at the front of your mind as you work with Blaze Kids Radio? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I've, I've been in, uh, in publishing for 20 some, some years, so I'm, I'm far from being a kid. But, uh, you know, it's all about audiences and, and what, uh, what is of interest to them and, and what's relevant. So as I talked briefly about on our first show, I, I bought, a, bought a horse as a grown-up, started taking riding lessons, and, uh, of course, I was there on, on Tuesday nights with a lot of uh, young ladies, ages, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, and, and together we came up with the idea of a, a magazine, a discovery magazine for, uh, for kids their age, all about horses and, and, and kids who love them. And uh, the agreement 10 years ago, uh, when the magazine started, was that they would uh, help me uh, with, as I said earlier, with the, the, the content and, and the language and, and the fun that uh, should be in a magazine like that. And, of course, the, the members of the Kids Committee has changed, but um, we still have a, a fine group of, of young kids that uh, direct us the whole way. Now, your mascot for the Blaze magazine is uh, Blaze, who is a Rocky Mountain horse. And is Blaze real? Blaze is real, and she's 10 as well. She was born within a month of the launch of the magazine, so they track along at the, at the same age, and um, she's fabulous. Kids from across the, really across the country, across North America, have uh, have come to visit her. We we, uh, we work and live near Niagara Falls, so um, you know a lot of people travel through this area, and um, when they get a chance, they come and uh, and visit Blaze here at the the Blaze Barn or the Blaze Headquarters. Uh, so she's a, a terrific representation for us. So, Helena, they're growing old together, and I noticed the magazine getting a little grayer on the snout. Um, <laughs> so. You're not looking at the publisher's picture, are you? <laughs> well, let's go over to Jessica. Now, Jessica, I think, am I right? Did we sort of discover you on Facebook? I kind of discovered my friend told me about um, how they were having, like, you could try out to be a co-host on Blaze Kids Radio, and I was already I was getting Blaze magazine for my birthday, so I decided, oh, that'd be cool to try out. And so I gave it a call, um, and then I nobody answered. Then I tried again, and then somebody answered after. Um, they left after Jeff left the message for me. I called back, and then he said that I'd probably be a good fit. And then it kind of went on from there, and then had a couple more calls, and eventually became the co-host. Well, we we we're glad you did too. We got to do the first show together. It is live right now on BlazeKidsRadio.com, episode number one. Were you nervous? Um. 
Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, Jessica. Me too. <laughs> we, we're still nervous. Glenn and I are on what? Five? How many? How, almost 300 2, 000, episodes. 3,000. Right. Yes. Whatever we got. <laughs> we still get nervous. But you know, you it sounded like you've got some really good, um, fun information and stories. I love the, uh, the horsey facts going back and forth between you guys. Um, did you do a little bit of research? Did you dig into, you know, these fun facts and was it fun? Well, if I could speak for Jessica, one thing that really impressed me when we kind of had the, the interview to, to be the co-host is just how knowledgeable she is about, about horses and how much she reads and researches. And um, we thought for a, a 12-year-old uh, young lady going on 13, um, that, that was kind of an incredible contribution she could make to the show. Blaze Magazine itself is all about that. We have uh, pages and pages of, of fun facts over the years that we can, can draw from. So we're very fortunate in that spot. We have a lot of just great content at our, our fingertips, you might say. Um, but together, Jessica and I kind of pull that together. And um, again, she'll be, you know, as part of our kids committee advising what, um, what would be of most interest to, to our listeners as we go forward. Well, now Jessica has some exciting news this week. She has had a heck of a week. Not only is she co-hosting a international radio show for the first time, she got a new pony. Tell us about it. Well, Jasper is a three-month-old miniature colt, and he has quite a lot of personality. <laughs> <laughs> you got him, what, two, three days ago? Yeah. And have you left the stall since then? Do you at least go take a shower and go to bed at home? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I eat dinner. I use. I use. I usually eat dinner and take a shower at home and sleep, and then I come here by seven in the morning. Today I was a little bit later because I'm kind of get getting tired from staying so much and running around him, and. He actually already does some jumping over jumps. <laughs> <laughs> How tall is he, he? He's not very tall, is he? No, I'd say he's a little he's a little bit bigger than my twenty two inch dog right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. It does he have his are you starting do you have a sense of his personality yet? Yeah, he has uh, quite a lot of colors. <laughs> <laughs> That's politically correct way of saying he's a naughty little boy. <laughs> His little feet are so tiny. Little mini falls are so cute because they're everything's just so tiny. Well, yeah. Jessica, you said something to us when we first got logged on to the show, but before we went on air, where is he right now? He's in Garnet Valley, PA at the barn that I ride. Oh, I thought he was at your I thought you said he was at your feet. Now, where is he right well, now, Jessica? Right now. Oh, uh, right now he's standing next to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth comes out. <laughs> Can you make him winny for us? Does he winny on command? Um, not yet, but once I let him out of his stall, he he might do a little bit of a winny. I'll work on that, see if I can do it by the time. All right. 
Okay. There's a project for you. Yeah. See if you can get him to Winnie on Command for your radio show. That would be sweet. We could have a third co-host for the show. I think that'd be yes. great. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we could I, – I know personally I would be interested in following his progress as a well-behaved miniature horse. <laughs> the Adventures of. Yeah. Now, is this your first horse, Jessica? Yeah. Well, that, I'm so excited. Yes. I know you've been riding for a long time and uh, taking lessons and things, but I, I, I also knew this was your first horse. So we're, we're so excited that we get to launch the show at the same time you get your new horse, because I know there's people, listeners already have posted that they can't wait to follow that. And you have a Facebook page as well. Uh, so tell everybody how they can find your Facebook page so they can follow the adventures of Jasper. Well, you just go to Facebook if you have a Facebook account and you look up Jess Blaze Kids Radio and you can follow his progress along with the show. Stop biting my feet. (laughs) He's such a mini. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm going to be in love with this. (laughs) That's funny, Jess. He is such a mini. I got a new little pony a month ago, too. So I'm I'm going through the same things you're going through. And believe me, it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm a little older than you. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're still excited when you get your new little pony, let me tell you. Yeah. I've been spending as much time with him as I can. Jeff, if we could go back to you for a minute. Uh, you, you know, Before there was Blaze Magazine 10 years ago when it first started, uh, you, you know, you were involved in something, and we haven't talked about this on the air before. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a for, former Paralympic athlete and a gold medal and world record setting sprinter. That is true. Yes, I had a, an athletic career, a track career, before I, I got into uh, into the publishing career. That lasted about twelve years. I um, I was a member of the Canadian Paralympic team uh, on three occasions. Uh, uh, we competed in in New York in '84, in uh, Seoul, Korea in 1988, and then I finished up in in 1992 in Barcelona, Spain. And then it was time to go to work. So uh, a different kind of work, actually. So yeah, I set the uh, the world record in my class, and what that means is. You know, make it simple. Uh, an arm amputee wouldn't run, would not run against a, a leg amputee. That just, you know, wouldn't be fair. And I think a lot of people know uh, much more about the Paralympics today than they they did back then. So I would run against arm amputees like myself, and um, yeah, ran. Um, uh, uh, actually, the the record still stands. I was a 400 meter uh, sprinter. And uh, what I ran in Seoul back in 88 has not yet been broken by another double-arm amputee like myself. So it's a pretty long-standing uh, honor. And, um, uh, yeah, you can, the glory days are nice to, to return to someday, that's for sure. <laughs> what was, I mean, how cool was it to be at the Olympics, let alone three of them? Jeez. It was. It was an absolutely great, great time in my life. There was uh, lots of travel, and um, I mean, hard work, obviously, but um, enjoyable hard work with uh, with the rewards that that came my way. Now you're a double army amputee. Do you have prosthetics, or you know, how do you how do you function? Yep, I wear two artificial arms uh, all day long, um, and uh, they they do absolutely everything I tell them to do. So very independent. Um, That's you know, better than uh, my arms <laughs> <laughs> and feet. <laughs> I just went on a, a long bike ride over the weekend with my brother-in-law, and he was complaining about how his forearms were, were hurting. And he asked how mine were doing, and he, and he, he didn't even think. I mean, when people know me well, it's it's you know they, they often. 
I wouldn't say it's a faux pas, but just forget. You that, got to that, laugh that. at him, though, didn't you? Well, I, I don't uh, have that problem. You know, I said, yours, uh, <laughs> yours is going to take a couple of days. Mine, I'm just heading back home, and I've got a couple of loose screws in, in my wrist and my elbow, and I'll have those fixed up, you know. <laughs> a little oil. <laughs> before be dinner time. A little oil, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you thought about doing para riding? I have, and I have been encouraged to. Um, you know, I don't, don't think I, of the horses I have, any of them would uh, be that caliber, but... Um, Blaze isn't a, doing dressage tests. His, uh, his Rocky Mountain self is not doing dressage tests anytime soon. No, she's just getting loved on by, uh, by everybody that comes to visit. But it certainly isn't out of the realm of possibility. Uh, it would be such a thrill to, to go back to the Paralympics. And uh, I would need uh, four, four legs uh, of, uh, of a horse to, uh, to ever compete again. Mine are, uh, mine are just not up to, up to snuff uh, that they were. Well, now, you were a, a track, you know, a runner have you run since or is it like oh, that my days are running are over i'm not doing that ever again well interestingly the the, the uh i won a bronze in barcelona and finished finished off my career that way and that was the, i knew that that day that that was going to be it uh and that would be my last paralympics and i i never competed uh in track competitively after that but an athlete is an athlete and you, you can't hold us back too long so i, I found other sports I, I play soccer and uh I like to do 5Ks and, and 10K runs and uh, play some baseball. So um, filled in the blanks with uh, with other sports. There you go. Well, we are so excited, Helene and I, and everybody here at the Horse Radio Network are so excited about the new show. You can listen to it at blazekidsradio.com. The first episode is out. Head on over there. You also find it at horseradionetwork.com. And it's going to be, it hit, uh, I'm good news for you, Jeff. I noticed it was on my Android, the app for the Horse Radio Network, which you can get just by searching Horse Radio Network at the App Store. Uh, I noticed that Blaze is now on there, and it's supposed to hit the iOS app store today or tomorrow. So we're getting you all set up. iTunes is approved. We'll get that set up today. So you're rocking and rolling. Well, fantastic. And thank you, Glenn and Helena, for all your support and helping us kick it off. We, uh, As I said, uh, we are really excited, Jessica and I, to, uh, uh, to have some great, uh, some great features, great stories, great guests um, for our, our young and young at heart listenership. Well, Jessica, it's been so much fun having you and Jasper on the show here today. Good luck with your with your little mini horse. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you want to see a picture of them together, we'll post it on our Stable Scoop uh, sh- on the show page for today as well. And this Tag and Habits segment is sponsored by Chasing a Fox. You can find them at ChasingAFox.com or follow along on Facebook where all the action is happening. Chasing a Fox, it's a fashion guide for fox hunters and their friends. And we're going to see you this weekend. Thanks to the American Equestrian Trade Association show in Philadelphia, we get to we get to hang out with Helena. We don't get to do that too often in person, so it's going to be. Cool. I am over the moon about this. You have no idea. My face is lit up. My cheeks are so big. My eyes are squinting. You promised us the biggest hugs ever, and we're going to take you up on that. You know, the biggest hugs ever. Yes. <laughs> and you know, yes. Helena may be little, but she's mighty. Yeah, um, I'm scrappy too. <laughs> 
I can take a hit, man. <laughs> this Tack and Habit uh, product is something. Now, we don't offer health advice for humans uh, or horses, for that matter. Uh, everything we tell you is our opinion, so let me qualify that. So it's my opinion that I went on a diet a couple weeks or a couple months ago because of the line. It's my opinion. It's my that opinion I that I went on a diet. Okay. Um, that's a fact, actually. I went on a diet a couple of months ago, and one, uh, I read a diet book that was recommended by one of our listeners, actually, after we did that Lyme show. She wrote and said, "You have to buy this book," and I did. And I've been following that diet that was in the book. I never had a book ten years ago when I lived up by you to do it, you know. Uh, so we had it this time. And one of the things they recommend is because you're cutting out so many things. I cut out all sugars, processed sugars. You cut out all gluten products. So anything that, you know, has wheat or yeast or anything. So what you're eliminating, you, you lose a lot of protein in your diet and you can become very tired on this diet. Yes, you do eat meats, but they're they're not you know they're not at every meal. They're, you know, one meal a day you can have a, a protein that's meat uh, in the meat form. So it's a lot of greens, and it's very vegetarian that way. And uh, one of the things that vegetarians have to worry about also is energy because of the lack of protein in the diet. And one of the things that they recommended, and I had never done this before ever in my life, and I always made fun of those people who made smoothies and green shakes and put you know vegetables in their shakes, and you know they just looked gross, and they looked like they tasted gross. And I don't know if you've ever done them, but... Um, yeah, I have, and like once, and was like, Bleh. yeah, and just that's right. Gross. Exactly. Give me a steak. See, Give me right. a steak with butter on it <laughs> and whipped cream. Well, <laughs> this one that they recommended in the book is called Veggie Protein. It's a hundred percent all natural. There's no artificial flavors or sweeteners. There's, uh, there is. It's gluten free. It's vegan, actually. No preservatives of any kind. So that's why they recommend it. It's a. They call it a dietary supplement, as they do all of these protein shakes. But it's not like the ones you buy at the grocery store that are meant for the bodybuilders. You know, um, that have all kinds of extra crap in them. This has no preservatives and none of the crap. Yeah. No bulk. Exactly. So it's made to give you a little bit of extra energy and replace some of the minerals and things that you're missing uh, when you when you do a diet like mine. So I knew I needed it. It's rich in omega-3, 6s, and 9s, and it gives you seven servings of fruit in a low glycemic form uh, by just doing this shake once a day. So it really does do the trick. And for those that aren't on sugar anymore, if I eat something now that has any amount of sugar in it, I get a headache immediately because I've been off of sugar for a couple months now. Right. So like I tried an alcoholic beverage the other day, like a strawberry daiquiri, (laughs) and it just about killed me for two days. It really did wipe me out. The sugar in it just wiped me out. Was it like a commercial grade daiquiri? Yes. From a mix or something? Yes, but it probably had 50 grams of sugar in it, you know? Exactly. And and that was way too... I really was in bad shape for the next two days. You know, you can get organic drinks like that. They have instead of like... Organic alcohol? No. Well, yeah, actually. (laughs) No, no. Instead of having like, you know high fructose corn syrup or those those simple syrups you can get like a got well these are called simple syrups you can get like an agave sweetened drink instead of sugar sweetened drink which is helpful you still may feel some effects because you know sugar sugar but right um this is a way less headache provoking option Trust me. <laughs> well, this one, uh, this veggie protein, I, I've been doing it two months now, and I love it so much that I've recommended it to about five different people who have now started on it. 
It is absolutely, it has absolutely does wonders for me. I used to be a five-hour energy drink user because, you know, I work 100 hours a week, and I have to be alert for the shows. And one of the things I discovered was when, when I was having a bad Lyme day, if I had to do a show, either the morning show or, you know, the show with you, I would do an energy drink if I was having a bad Lyme day, and it would help me get through it. Uh, whatever was in the energy drink would really give me that boost I needed to clear my brain and get through the show. Well, I haven't really done energy drinks since I started on this. Um, and it uh, and it's much better for me than the energy drinks were, you know? Uh, so, yeah. so it really does work. It, uh, it, I do half. It calls for one scoop in the morning. You mix it with milk, and I use uh, I use, happen to use rice milk. But you mix it with milk, and I put a little honey in it, and then I just do it in the blender. Now, Jennifer has started on it now and noticed a big difference in her energy level. And she does it in the morning, and she puts fruit in with it. She puts pe- frozen peaches and frozen berries and things and makes an actual smooth, you know, smoothie out of it. Yep. And she loves it, and she doesn't eat anything else for breakfast now. That's filling enough for her to, and she's a big breakfast eater. Protein will do it. Protein yep. fills you up, and it keeps you going for most of the day. It's true. Well, I divide so, mine in half. I actually use half in the morning, and then in the afternoon what I do is I use the other half in my milk, and I add a bunch of ice to it so it comes out like a Frosty. Uh, and it really comes out sort of like ice cream. Uh, so it's a treat for me. It's the closest I get. I, I get. We get by the chocolate flavor. They have it in chocolate and vanilla. And you want to know one of the key parts to this is... It's only $17 a month. A lot oh, of wow. these are 50 You go to the store and see some of these boosters and things. They're like $50 for a tub. Uh, this is $17 a month. I get it on Amazon Prime, and just it comes in, and, and we use it. So it's really nice. done well. And as I said, I'm not telling it you that it's going to work for you. I'm just saying it really does work for me. And for people who think they might not need it or they're a little draggy in the morning, uh, or even in the afternoon, this is, it just has worked well for us. Great. Well, I'm going to give it a try. Yeah, and uh, a lot of we'll post a link to it on, on Stable Scoop. Uh, you know, I have a we have a friend who's uh, 28 years old, single mother. You know, working two jobs has has drank a lot of coffee. She would get up and have six cups of coffee before lunch, and eat no food. And I talked to her about this, and she said I need it for the energy. And I talked to her about this. Since she's gone on this, she's back to two cups of coffee a day. And she said her energy level is 100% better than it was before. And I know that this has got to be better for her than coffee. So, <laughs> All right. Then we're, we're going to give it a try. All right. It's we're called give it a Veggie try. Protein. It's from MRM. We'll post a link to it in our show notes as well. And don't forget, when you go buy it at Amazon, click on our Amazon link on the left side of the page at StableScoop.com. We get a little bit of credit for everything you buy if you click on there first. Well, Helena, that's going to wrap up our show today. You can check out all the great shows on our app at the iPhone or Android store just download just search for Horse Radio Network and that's it we're out of here we are out of here (laughs) see you this weekend we will see you this weekend thanks everybody for listening there will be more next week until then happy scooping happy scooping